This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 175. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Sumstead Jr. And I'm Christina Daves. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about how you can develop significant PR for yourself and your books, even if you are a complete novice. And to help us dive into the topic deep... We have a special guest, serial entrepreneur, award-winning inventor, best-selling author, publicity expert, mom, and wife, Christina Daves. And I love the tagline on her website. She says, let me help you get visible. And I suspect that that's exactly what she's going to help us out with today. So, Christina, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I get so excited to share this with the world um, because it it is amazing and it really does work. Well, I'm excited to to dive into some specific questions with you and Thomas as well. But but first, um, your own story is pretty interesting. It started. It all started with a broken foot. Do you want to give us the quick version of how that happened? It did. I had owned a retail store for 10 years. If anyone's ever done retail, I totally burned out. I was like, okay, I'm in my mid forties. I'm going to retire. Well, entrepreneurs never retire. (laughs) So we were on vacation in Canada visiting my mom and I had this freak accident and I broke my foot and the doctor puts me in the, you know, the big ugly medical boot. And my husband and I happened to be going to New York the following day. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I can't go to New York fashion capital of the world looking like this. So we're on the train and I'm Googling, you know, medical boot fashions, medical boot accessories, right? There's going to be something in New York for sure to make the boot look better. And there was nothing on the market. So the light bulbs went off. I always joke, my poor husband being married to an entrepreneur was like, oh, here she goes again. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. But, But I did. So I invented a fashion line to make these ugly boots look better. And just to change the whole negative of, oh, you broke your foot, you had surgery to a, oh, that's so cute. But what I didn't realize is I had, I mean, I realized it, but I wasn't thinking in a marketing perspective that the product had never existed before. So I created a whole new space in the marketplace and we mortgaged the house and did a lot of crazy. Oh, wow. You went all in. Love oh, it. well, we went all in. Yeah. This is before 3D printers. This is before you could do all the stuff you can do now. Um, but yes, we went all in. And I, I always say, you know, I wasn't going to be the one coming home to tell my husband and kids, oh, mommy lost the house. So, uh, but I figured out, I didn't have any money left for to pay for advertising or, or hire a PR firm. So I had to figure it out myself. And I got pretty darn good at it. Uh, I was in 50 media outlets my first year in business, uh, including some pretty big ones like the Steve Harvey show. And I was on Fox and some pretty big stuff happened with a lot of viewers, a lot of people finding out about my product and that I realized that I could stay in business using publicity because that got me so much visibility that people would know about my product. And so then at that point, you extremely successful for that. And you said, wait a minute, if I can do this, having never done it before, then other people can do it too. And that I'm guessing that's how your next business was born. Slightly different version. Uh, People started calling like in the entrepreneurial community, 
people were calling me saying, Christina, can I pick your brain? How are you doing this? And I joked that I didn't have any more breakfast left or lunches left. Uh, and I was at an event kind of just for fun. It was a like an expert kind of thing. And the more people I talked to said, you know, you break out in these little sessions and they said, you've got to start a business to teach people how to do this. Uh, and ironically, I, you know, it's what I had done for myself. So I, I put an ask kind of out to the universe and reached out to people in the media and said, hey, can I interview you? Like, this is what I want to do. I want to help people pitch you properly. And I think I know what I'm doing because it's worked for me. But if you could help me with that, and would you believe every single person said yes? So I interviewed, you know, Rachel Ray, senior producer and someone from the Oprah Winfrey show and uh, Ronald Reagan's publicist from back in the day and just some of me, you know, like somebody I might have known or met or somehow and everybody said yes. And I interviewed them and that really gave me the credibility to move forward. Okay. Uh, I, I think all of our listeners out there are sold on you, sold on the idea. I'm sold on you. Thomas is going, this is great. Um, so, so, uh, let's, let's talk some specifics about this, but, but first a lot of our listeners have been listening to us for a long time and they're really marketing savvy, but we also have a lot of new listeners. So just give us a quick overview. Um, what a clear definition of what PR is, how you would define it. Yeah, and it's really, it's a great question because the, the face of PR has changed so much now with social media because it used to be, you know, like the Mad Men days that, you know, you had this coveted Rolodex and those were your PR people, those people who knew people in the media. Well, we can go on Twitter. We can talk to anybody. I got on Fox because I tweeted at an anchor. I said, oh, I love your story about this product. It was awesome. And she said, oh, do you know any other products? I was like, yeah, I happen to have one. <laughs> and, you know, th that couldn't have been done 10 or 15 years ago. So, so the accessibility of the media, and that's, you know, even if you're new, find, find your dream media outlets, find where your customers are, and get on social media and, and follow these people and share their work and let them start to get to know you because they know who does that stuff and build your relationship before you pitch them. You know, maybe you offer somebody else up to them. Hey, I saw you did that story. Do you know John Smith of ABC Company? He might be really good if you ever do a follow-up story on this. And they're going to be like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> like you're, you're giving me before you're asking from me. I like that a lot. Because what you seem to be saying is some of these people, all, all of these people, are looking for that next great story. One of the things we tell, uh, we, when we describe editors and agents, there's, especially for people starting out, there's this feeling that it's adversarial. It's like, well, they won't be interested in me. And what we tell people is, no, that editor, that agent is looking for the next great author. That is a thrill to discover the next great voice. And so you're saying in a certain sense, that's true with publicity and PR as well. They're looking for this great story. And even though this person hasn't been exposed yet, um, potentially they could be that next great story. The breaking, exactly. But it's even more than that. As somebody who used to have a radio show, I had to have stories to fill every two hours every day of my show. It, it wasn't just like, oh man, I sure hope I can find the next best person like I, you know, like currently as an agent. It's like, no, 
if I can't find the best person, I use the next best. Like sometimes if it's a slow news day, suddenly the, the barrier gets really low. <laughs> it's like, I'll take anybody who is halfway interesting. And, you know, if it's a busy news day, obviously it's impossible to get on the show. Right? It's a hurricane coming to town. That's all we're going to talk about. But, um, yeah, they need you as much as you need them. And I say they need us even more. Because news today, again, it was a different world 15, 20 years ago. Media today is 24-7, 365. If they're on television, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they've got their live streaming, they've got a blog, they've got every magazine, every hardcover magazine has an online version. And it's not always the same stuff. So yes, if you can provide good, valuable information to them, you become an asset. Okay, so good information to them. Um, there's a lot of things that are needed to prepare, but in my mind, it starts with the story. You had a great story, really interesting the way this whole thing came about. And I know one of the things you do is help people develop their story. So give our listeners a few tips on how they can develop their compelling story. Right. It, it's all about your why. And and if if you haven't read Simon Sinek's book, if you haven't watched his, his um, TED Talk, you know, it starts with why you have to, that's your story, guys. That's everybody's story. And that will come across. You started your business. You wrote this book. You have a reason why you did that. Nobody wakes up and just says, oh, I'm going to do this for no reason. (laughs) There's what, what is that fire in your belly that got you, you know, I felt so ugly in that boot and I'm not really not a vain person, but when you're in a boot, you notice everybody else in a boot and you're like, God, we look terrible. <laughs> like, What can we do to brighten this up? You feel bad already. But, you know, so what's, what's the story? Why did you do what you do? Why did you create what you created and, and build your story around that? Because that's what resonates with people is the why. Christina, something else you talk about on your website when you're coaching people is the power of LinkedIn. And I have had author after author say to me, I don't even know why I'm on this thing. I'm not sure what good it can do me. (laughs) Dispel those myths for us. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you the power of LinkedIn. Uh, You guys have to remember of all the social media platforms, LinkedIn is business to business. These are people in business looking to do business with other business people. I'm a huge proponent of all social media platforms, but you're doing different things on different ones. Um, But LinkedIn and, and the media is on LinkedIn or they're on Twitter. And I would say if you find a journalist somewhere and they're not on either one, don't chase them. Don't even then they're not a real journalist They're or they're so big that they don't need to be finding stories. You know, they've got people who work for them finding stories for them. In which case you connect to those people on LinkedIn and you <laughs> you connect yeah. with those people on LinkedIn. Exactly. And and I there's so many resources that I use but anytime I find anybody in my space that you know related to the media or I mean I can't tell you how much lead gen I do for my business on LinkedIn. Um, just you know connecting with people. Hey, I see you book speakers. Do you need you know, do you book this type of speaker? If so, I'd love to talk to you more. Just nice introducing, you know, first you introduce yourself, connect, then you read their profile, you know, what stands out in their profile that you could help them with, or you could be an asset to them. Um, but, but LinkedIn is business. And if you're in business, if you wrote a business book, if you are looking for media people, uh, LinkedIn is the place to be. 
it really, yes, I'm a huge proponent. And I've actually brought someone on my team that's doing a lot of the legwork because I'm having so much success on LinkedIn. And I think something to point out here is that you're not using LinkedIn for marketing per se. It's not about one-to-many communication. It's about one-to-one communication. And I think that's the real uh, mindset adjustment that a lot of authors are like, well, you know, this isn't a great place to reach a lot of people all at once about my book. And that's not how you're recommending to use LinkedIn. Like you can have people like connect with you on LinkedIn and you can post a blog, your blog there and people might see it. That's not really the power of LinkedIn. The power of LinkedIn is reaching out to a specific reporter uh, and saying, hey, my book ties into, you know, your ongoing story about such and such. I think, you know, I may have something to add to this. And they're like, yes, I've been looking for you. Thank you for reaching out. Are you free, you know, later today to come on my radio show or whatever? It's that one-on-one abilities of LinkedIn that makes it so powerful. Exactly. It's how how are you connected? How can you relate to one another? Again, what value can you provide them? And maybe what, you know, what value they can provide for you? And But yes, absolutely. That's right. Now, I do want to talk about a, a great one-to-many tool uh, that I know you talk a lot about, and that's Haro. So if you want to reach a lot of media people all at once, you use Haro. So let me just ask, what is Haro and how can authors use it to get more media booking? Yes, I am huge. I'm actually one of their biggest success stories. I use it every single day in my business. Wow. So it's helpareporter.com. I do. I blog for them. Matter of fact, they're looking for more blogs because just because, and I don't blog about my success stories. I share the stuff I, you know, do in the, in the PR world, but I, I have had so much success. I got on the Steve Harvey show from filling out an inquiry from them or responding to one. I mean, where else are you going to get on a show that's an Emmy award-winning show that has, you know, 3 million viewers? Uh, so, but yeah, so three times a day, they send out, you say Haro, I say Harrow, it's tomato, tomato. I don't know what the correct saying is. It's GIF, by the way, for those all of you listening. If you say GIF, <laughs> that is a peanut butter. GIF <laughs> is the graphics. Yeah. <laughs> So Harrow uh, is helpareporter.com and you sign up as a source. It's a free resource. They're going to call you and ask you to sign up for some of their programs. You don't need to. You just need the free resource. Three times a day, they send media queries from journalists looking for quotes, looking for guests on television shows, um, blogs. Don't, don't think blogs are not worth it. Blogs give you so much SEO power, as long as they're good blog, you know, Huffington Post, well, not Huffington Post as much anymore, but Entrepreneur, Forbes, you know, the the big power hitters. And I've been on all of those through Help a Reporter Out. And just to jump in real quick on blogs, there's this concept of trading up the chain where big blogs look for ideas from small blogs, which look for ideas from even smaller blogs. And so if you are strategic in which blogs you get featured in, you can get traded up the chain. Sometimes you can do that very quickly, where a story that breaks on some local blog in New York suddenly is picked up by a regional blog, and then it's on you know, a big blog, and it goes on and on from there. And so being strategic about small blogs, especially the kinds of small blogs that are paying for help a reporter out. See, I avoided pronouncing it that way. Uh, (laughs) Those kinds of blogs are probably the more serious blogs, right? You're kind of person with five subscribers can't afford to pay because the reporters pay for for help a reporter for Harrow. Um, uh, I believe. Is it free for them too? No, they don't. The reporters don't pay. Nope. Yes, because I have I use it on the other side as well because I have a TV segment and I get ideas 
from putting it in there. So no, it, it's completely free on both sides and it's a win-win because like I love doing it because it saves me days and days of research that, you know, if I put something out there and I get five good responses back, it's, you know, saves me having to dig all over the internet to find something that I need. And one of the things to keep in mind is these questions are segmented by by topics, by industry, all this kind of thing. And you might think, well, I'm not an expert on any of these things. You would be surprised at some of the requests that come in and you go, oh my gosh, I know all about that. They want to know about that. And suddenly you're that person that they go to. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's kind of a pain. I mean, it's monotonous. You get it and you're like, oh, Christina, you really want me to do this? But if you really want to get seen, and here's the deal, when you get on these national media outlets, even if you're a local business, what's anybody going to do before they work with you? They're going to Google you. They're going to check you out. So if they put your name into Google and all these big names pop up, you know, publications, television programs, whatever it is you've been on, you check out for them very quickly. I am. I'd love to tell the story. I had this great idea and I'm crazy. So I'll ask anybody for anything, (laughs) but I had this idea to partner with a local credit union, $40 billion credit union. I sent the president an email on Monday, Monday afternoon. He said, can you be in my office on Friday? It's like, uh, yes. (laughs) So I go to the, the penthouse, it's glass, it's overlooking Washington DC. It's spectacular. And he comes literally stomping into his office and he said, do you know what happens when you Google you? And I'm 14 pages of Google. He was so impressed when he checked me out that he wanted to meet me and see what I had to say. And yes. So that's the power of this, you guys. This is worth in gold 10 minutes a day. It's also how you get on Wikipedia. So a lot of authors, like be, having a page about them on Wikipedia is like the gold standard, right? It's like, you know, you've arrived and you have a page about you on Wikipedia. And a lot of authors don't realize the criteria for notoriety that Wikipedia uses, right? Because the number one most deleted page in Wikipedia are what are called vanity pages, where somebody has a page about them and it gets deleted. And so you may be wondering, well, what does Wikipedia use? Or what do the editors of Wikipedia use to determine whether somebody should or should not have their page deleted on Wikipedia? And the answer is media listings, right? The more the media has talked about you, the more likely your page will stay up. Uh, So it's very much driven by the mainstream media. So if you've had the New York Times and the Washington Post do a story about you, that alone may be enough for you to be notable enough for Wikipedia uh, to pick you up, especially if other places, kind of the smaller fish that follow the big sharks also pick you up. Suddenly, one or two stories can grow into suddenly you have a Wikipedia page. And once you have that Wikipedia page, you, t- you can keep it you know, forever and it doesn't cost you anything. And it's a very powerful asset and it's good for SEO. But uh, you have to get those media mentions first before you can get on Wikipedia. It's interesting that you say that because I just am at this, the onset of a Wikipedia page. So the, it's been put up by editors and, and I was just looking and there's Washington Post on here and um, some, some bigger local papers, some huge blogs, um, Forbes. And um, so it's all, it's all on here. And you're right that I could have never done that without, you know, I have a couple Washington Post ones, small biz trends. So some, some big names and they've got that listed on there. Okay, Christina, you might be shocked to hear this, but... 
Writers sometimes are introverts. <laughs> and and I love that you're crazy. You're going for it. You went out there. But a lot of uh, writers are introverts and they just say, I, I can't do this. I can't start with a national publication. But what I think a lot of them don't realize is you can get some local publicity pretty easily. So talk a little bit about how somebody goes to their local paper, or local radio station, that kind of thing. How can they start that groundswell on a local level? So here's the deal. This is the coolest thing about your small local papers. You can Google who's the editor of Full Run Observer. That's one of my local papers. Or who's the editor of the Sun Gazette. And you can pick up the phone and 99% of the time they're going to answer the phone. And you can say, hey, I live in Gainesville and I just wrote a book and I launched it and it's a best-selling book and I've sold X number of copies, you know, if you had a great launch, what you know, whatever the case may be. But they love to write about local authors. Love, love, love. That is the easiest place to start. That's when I started with everything, inventing a product, writing a book, anything like that, your local paper, because nobody else has done it. Right. Nobody's written a book exactly on your topic. And um, so that is the and, and and introvert or not, pick up the phone. You've got to do it. And here's the deal to everybody listening. And this is so important in this world that we live in today. If you don't do it, somebody else will. And I work with so many real estate agents and there are people who are the best in the industry. Like they've been around forever. They are so good, but they don't want to do the visibility part. And then you get somebody who's really good on social media and really good at putting out videos and doing stuff like that. And they're killing it in the real estate space and they're not good. So if you're good at what you do, you have to, you just have to do it. And once you start, I, I wish, and I will never, ever share this, but my very first video that I did, I had stickies all over my laptop and literally with my head cocked, I'm going around the laptop. <laughs> Hello, my name is Christina Daves. And, and now I'm on TV once or twice a month. I never would have dreamed that. So you can teach yourself to get comfortable with this. It's muscle memory. It's practice. And you just have to start. That's really good. And along those lines, uh, what advice do you have for somebody who's going in for their first interview? How do you handle a live interview like live radio as opposed to, say, a you know, pre-recorded where there's editing? What, what are some kind of media training tips uh, for our authors so that they do a good job on that first interview so it leads to additional interviews by other publications? I would practice on podcasts first. Um, find someone who's just started a podcast in your industry and practice and get comfortable. I was so nervous doing podcasts. I would have a, a bottle of water. And then when the host would talk, I'd be guzzling the water because I had no saliva left in my mouth. I was just a wreck. Uh, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, my first, I want to be on national television. You don't want to start on national television. You want to start on local television or because if you mess up, you might not get a second chance. And, and get the feel for it and get comfortable for it. And then, then go for the, for the big one. You've got to practice a little bit. You've got to get your toes wet and get a feel because you will be nervous. That's completely normal. If, I mean, I still get a little, you know, flutter and I've done tons of stuff. So you want to, you want to be comfortable and you want to be able to answer your questions seamlessly uh, and, and sound bites, make sure you can answer questions you know, make sure you know answers that you want to give that are relevant to the audience and prepare them, practice them. 
And the key to a good soundbite is brevity. So learning how to hone those words. So those skills that make you a good author actually can help you with soundbites as well because you learn how to cut all those extra words out, the unnecessary superfluous words. You know, the word superfluous in that last sentence was superfluous. I could have just said unnecessary (laughs) words. And as you practice, you learn how to say it shorter and shorter. And I will say your advice about new podcasts is exactly right on the money. I help organize the Austin Podcasters Meetup Group. So we're, we help lots of people start podcasts. We have lots of you know new podcasts in our um, meetup, and they are desperate for guests, right? Because they don't have a lot of listeners yet. They don't, you know, it's hard to get the big guests. No one is emailing them back. And so if you reach out to a podcast that has 10 episodes, and you're like, hey, you know, do you mind if I come on as a guest? By the way, I have a good microphone, and I know how to do it on my end. They'll be like, oh my gosh, please, and thank you. And, and they'll, they'll book you. And since they have a smaller listenership, it's lower stakes, and you can get more comfortable and hone your message and refine it and get more uh, familiar with kind of questions you weren't expecting, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yep. So, Christina, you've talked about a lot of excellent ideas here. But if an author, if you could tell an author, take this one thing, do this one thing, just remember this one thing after this podcast, what would you describe to them? Don't be afraid to do it. Oh, that's good. Just remember the media needs you. They need you. So learn how to craft a good pitch Learn how to find the right journalist, you know, write a good hook in your subject line and, and don't be afraid of it. I, I love to tell this when I speak. I always say this and I'll share this with your audience. I have never known a television station when you call in and say you have a story idea that they say, we're sorry, we're not taking any new stories today. Click. <laughs> never going to happen ever in the history of the world. So don't be afraid of it. Once you feed a story to a journalist or once they interview you, especially like with local TV, I've been on local TV a lot. They I've, they always give me their card. and <laughs> They're like, if anything else happens on this topic or whatever, let me know. And they very likely won't get back to you, right? You text them in a case, so such and such is happening and they won't get back to you, but they might. And um, having that card and having that first relationship is really key. And uh, I was you know, putting together a list of all of the media that I've done. I've been in all of the major metro um, newspapers in Texas. <laughs> and I was like, huh. But it, but it was because of activities that I did and, and learning and kind of being places where news was happening and uh, politics. Uh, if you're politically active and you uh, go to the right things, it's easy to get picked up. So some topics lend themselves better uh, to media interviews than others. But even, uh, I guess one last question I would ask is for the novelist. So for nonfiction, it's, I think it's easier because you find a way that the topic that you're an expert on kind of connects with a new story. What advice would you have for a novelist who's like, I don't know how I can put any of what you're talking about into practice. You know, Haro's never going to want to talk to somebody who writes romance. Uh, what advice would you have? Well, Okay, say there's something going on with a celebrity. I just saw in People magazine that um, the Schwarzenegger daughter is marrying some actor. Chris Pratt, right? Chris Pratt, yes. I don't know. Maybe in your book you have a story like that. You know, the the big famous girl marries the actor or, you know, what can you relate? I've, I've seen a lot of people do this with the Oscars, with movies, that they've written a book that relates to, you know, something that's that's hot news now. Uh, And at the end of the day, like you might not be on your news station about a novel that you wrote, but you might be because you're a local author and, you know, look at Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, thought that was going to do anything. So, um, but find where your audience is, find where, you know, 
if, if the story I have, one of my clients is an author and she wrote a book and it's based in the town that she lives. And it's a really cool story. She's in her seventies. She wrote the book and the, um, the person who did the illustrations in the book is a 20 year old. So they kind of pitched their story of this really odd relationship of the author and the illustrator with this big age gap. And, you know, and the book is set here in this town. And so you've got to just think outside of the box a little bit and, and get creative with what your book is about and then how you can relate it to what's going on in the news. And that is so, that is so true. Please, for those of you listening to the podcast, rewind, <laughs> listen to Christina talking about that again, because I've had huge success because um, I have shows that have me back time and time again. I'm a novelist, but they have me over and over again. And one host said to me, you know why I always have you back every time a new book comes out? Uh, why is that? Because you don't talk about the book. You don't talk about the story. You talk about the themes in the book and how those themes can apply directly right now to people's lives. And that's interesting. And the other thing that that they've said to me is, you know how to talk in sound bites. That's a big deal too. And so to Christina's point about practice, practice this, practice this for yourself. Find a critique partner where you critique each other on how the interview is going. Once you establish that, then it snowballs because you develop a number of different hosts or podcast hosts or people on TV or newspaper that go, oh, oh, I know if I go to Thomas, I'm going to get something good because ultimately they want their listeners to be entertained or prov provoked or informed. It, that's what this industry is. It's, it's entertainment. And so you can become that through that practice fairly easily. And look for events that beat reporters have to cover, like the library festival of your local uh, town, right? If you've got the beat for covering local festivals, you have to go to that event if you're a reporter and you're like, oh, what interesting story can I find here at this library festival? Well, if you're following your library's events and you're there, it's not hard to be the most interesting thing at that festival. And suddenly you're the one who's being talked about uh, at the festival. And so, and regardless of what your book is, right, you've got a fantasy and it takes place a million years ago in a galaxy far, far away and doesn't connect with any current events. Well, you just connected it with a current event by being at an event that was current. So it doesn't have to be a, like a newsjack type technique, although that's very effective, but there are still ways of getting the media to talk about you, uh, even when you have kind of a unusual fiction, so to speak. Okay, Christina, I feel like we have done the iceberg thing here in that we have we have we haven't even gotten ten percent of what what I think you can offer our our listeners. So we would love to have you back. But the the second thing is um, for those listeners who can't wait, how can people find out more about you? I know that you have a great free email sequence and a video series where you teach authors more about this stuff. Um, so how do they get that? How do they find out more about you? Yeah. So ChristinaDaves.com. I made it very easy. You can learn about my product. You can learn about everything that I do for PR. Uh, but go to yourprchallenge.com. It's a 10-day challenge. Guys, it's 10 minutes a day max. And and the the I finally I'm asking for testimonials like I've never done this before. It's crazy. The success that people just in the challenge are having. If you do the work, you have to do the work. I always say there's no magic pill. I can't just mail you something and all of a sudden CNN is going to come calling. Uh, but it's not hard. And once you know how to do it, once you have the system in place, it's super easy. And, and you will get publicity. You will. I got an email today from somebody who said, 
I, I, I watched your videos and I really thought you were full of it pretty much is what he said. <laughs> he said, but I took your challenge and I pitched my very first pitch. He's a brand new real estate investor and he got in the biggest trade publication in that industry. Wow. He's like, you are amazing. Like this really works. Uh, so it works. There you go. And we will have links uh, to everything that Christina mentioned in the show notes. So if you just scroll down in your app or scroll down on the page you're listening to this on, uh, you can just tap with your finger uh, to go to that. And we'll have a uh, link to her sign-up form. Our featured patron today is Lucia's Renaissance by C.I. Peterson. Uh, it's a novel that takes place in the 16th century where heresy is fatal. Uh, and if you even whisper the name Martin Luther, uh, your uh, life is at risk. But after Luther's ideas ignite a young girl's faith, she must choose to abandon her beliefs or risk her life in the turbulent world of the 16th century. So thank you to C.L. Peterson for your patronage. And our sponsor this week of the Novel Marketing Podcast is the Book Launch Blueprint. And this is the second time we've done this. If you've always struggled with, I've written this book, but how do I launch it? How do I make it successful? You can join me and Thomas and Mary DeMuth as we take you through 21 days. And when we say take you through, this is a course where we are walking through it with you via a private Facebook group where we're answering your questions, we're brainstorming with you. We are helping you develop a roadmap, a specific roadmap for your book on the best way to launch it. And registration closes this week. So this is the last time we are going to mention uh, the 2019 book launch blueprint on the podcast. So this is your final warning. If you want to sign up, this is your last chance if you would like to join us at learning how to successfully launch your book. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go to booklaunch.fun. We would love to have you. It's February 11th through March 1st. And you can sign up when? Thomas, can you sign up today? You can. Can they sign up right now? You can sign up right now. Booklaunch.fun. You've been listening to James L. Rubart, Christina Daves, and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.